Hallelujah. First Corinthians chapter 15, verse 3. The Apostle Paul writing to the church at Corinth. I passed unto you what is most important and what had also been passed unto me. Christ died for our sins, just as the scripture said. He was buried, he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the scripture said. And he was seen by Peter and then by the twelve. In just a few weeks, we're going to be celebrating Jesus' triumph over death, over hell, over the grave. Amen. And in Jesus' name, we're going to be ready for that holiday. Amen. We're ready. I said we're ready. So this goal, the goal for this series is prepare you the way of the Lord. We're preparing it. We're preparing it. We're preparing our hearts. We're preparing our souls. We're preparing getting our households in order. Amen? Amen. Last weekend, we introduced this topic about preparing our hearts in a fresh new way, receive fresh revelation, fresh appreciation for that which Jesus has accomplished for us on the cross. The beginning of the Gospel of Mark, Mark chapter 1, verse 1. I'm just kind of review a little bit from last week, but I, I can't do the whole message again. So if you were not able to join us last week, whether online or whether in person, please make sure you go to the website, go to the archives, go to YouTube, go listen to the message in its entirety. Mark chapter 1, verse 1, the beginning of the Gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in the prophets, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare you, prepare your way before you. The Spirit of God speaking, addressing the Messiah, addressing Jesus. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. And we know that John was quoting, and Mark is quoting John the Baptist. John the Baptist was quoting Isaiah chapter 40. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be exalted, every mountain and hill brought low. The crooked places shall be made straight. The rough places shall be made smooth. The glory of the Lord shall be revealed. Say that with me nice and loud again. The glory of the Lord shall be revealed. And all flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. This is something that came directly from the mouth, the voice of the Holy Spirit. We talked about this last week, uh, ancient times, when a king or a dignitary was going to visit a specific area. That area that was going to be visited would be contacted way ahead of time so that they would have the opportunity, they would have the time to be able to prepare, literally, physically prepare the road that that king was going to travel on. Because if you have respect for that king, and if you love that king, you want to make sure that he's going to travel on a safe road. I know he's not going to be bumping all over the place and getting jostled all over the place. They would literally work day and night until they had that road completed. The Isaiah the prophet is picking up on that idea. Reverence, reverence, reverence for the one that was to come. Now we show reverence for the one who came. Amen. So if the road was in disrepair, it had to be repaired. It had to, get, it had to be put in order. It had to be meticulously restored for that king or that dignitary. And we talked about this last week, and I'm so glad I had the opportunity to bring that message last weekend because we, so much feedback. Many times our lives, our hearts, our souls are just like those beat-up highways, full of potholes, full of potholes, hurts, wounds, even sin. 
Some of us have major obstacles in our hearts that we need to get out of the way. If we're going to have a fresh, fresh revelation of what the resurrection means, a fresh revelation of what Jesus accomplished for us at the cross, we take it for so much for granted. We take so much for granted of what he accomplished for us. God, give us reverence again. So the potholes that need to get filled in, we talked about last week, ignorance of God's presence. You could be in the middle of God's presence and not be touched because we're so concerned about ourselves. When, when, when our lives are full of, of just being obsessed with our past wounds, we get content to live in a pit. And in that pit, you very rarely can sense the presence of God. You've got to get out of that thing. You've got to get healed. You've got to move on. Got to put it aside. Amen? Amen? We fall into spiritual slumber, dullness. If when I fall into spiritual slumber, when I fall into dullness, I'm going to miss out on my preparation for the next season. And I'm not in Jesus' name. I'm not missing out. I'm not missing out. You're going to miss out? No. No, 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 no. We talked about these things last week. Spiritual slumber, ignorance of God's presence, fear. We tolerate fear. We forget how much God loves us. And when we live in fear, we are more aware of punishment than we are of his love. And we can't live that way. How many of you know that? You can't live that way. Amen. So let's get into part two. Part two, prepare ye the way of the Lord. I want to deliver this like the old time prophets. Get your house in order. Yeah, I know that always goes over real big when you touch that topic. Get your house in order. Maybe you feel better if you were dressing somebody else. Turn to the person next to you and say, get your house in order. When God tells you to get your house in order, get your house in order. I've had the Lord speak that to me over the years in a, in a, in a specific way, in another way. In two two diff different separate occasions, I can remember times over these past 23 years of pastoring that the Spirit of God would set to me on two different occasions, gird yourself up. You know what that means? Get, get your core ready. Get, your, get, your, get, get strengthened. Get, get your fortitude up. Why? Something's coming. Something's coming. First time I heard that was on the fourth anniversary of this church. The Lord spoke to me very clearly. It was on a Sunday morning. I was putting my hand on the door to walk into the auditorium of the high school here in Bricktown where we were having services at that time. And as I put my hand on that door, it was like time froze for me. It's like I knew, it was, I, knew I walked right in, but for me, time froze. And the Spirit of God said, I want you to prepare yourself. Up until this point, I've kept you from what most churches experience. But in this next year, you're going to experience some of the challenges and difficulties that every church goes through. And showed me numerous families that would not be part of this church anymore. And sure enough, within three months, all of them, every one of them moved on. Okay? Now, it's not something a pastor wants to hear all the time. Okay? Okay? Another time in my life, I can remember when, when I heard, literally heard, Gird yourself up. Can you gird yourself up without getting your house in order? What do you do? When you gird yourself up, you're like, okay, what windows are open? What doors are open? What needs to be stopped? What needs to be eliminated? And so he, he showed me that after our financial situation, that was, I'm talking about a personal financial situation, that after our personal financial situation was resolved, that my health was going to come under attack. 
say, well, why would God show you that? Because you see, most Christians think because Jesus said the Holy Spirit will show you things to come, you think it only, it's only good things. No, he shows you things to come. Why? Because he wants us to be ready. He wants, come on, he wants us to be prepared. And so the Holy Spirit showed me that once this, this situation that we were in kind of got stabilized, that my health was going to come under attack. Literally, six weeks later, six weeks later, I suffered a kidney attack. That Man, anybody's ever had a kidney attack, they are not fun. You don't want to pray that for your worst enemy. But God brought me through it. God brought me through it. Amen. So, so, so if he, the Spirit of God is speaking to us, get your house in order, guess what? Get your house in order. Wait, something's coming. Something's coming. And in this case here, I believe with all my heart it's good. It's a good thing. It's, say, say it's a good thing. It's a good thing. Why? Because the Spirit of God has been holding something back the Spirit of God has been holding something back that is coming very soon for such a time as this, okay? And it's going, to be a, it's going to be like a punch that's going to come through the church, bam, like this, and it's going to put the enemy in his place, okay? And he's going to, listen, and that's going to open up a door of harvest, open up an opportunity to reach your loved ones, to reach your lost family, to reach your lost coworkers. You hold on and you get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready. Turn to somebody, say, get ready. Yeah, and I just heard this on the inside. I just heard this on the inside. Get ready and stay ready. Because so many people get ready. But then when it doesn't, when nothing happens, they go, I guess it was just my imagination. No, get ready and stay ready. Okay, now keep that up, okay? You see, because he wants a straight way in the desert. He wants things that are shallow to be filled in. Mountains and hills of pride and arrogance dealt with. Dealt with. Dealt with. Because when we're in pride and when we're in arrogance, he can't use us to touch other people's lives. Why? Because we're too full of ourselves. He wants the things that are crooked to, make, to be made straight. In order to make something crooked straight, you've got to jerk the slack out of it. And the rough place is smooth, smooth. Okay, you were cheering just a minute ago. <laughs> so what's the message? Get things right with God. Get the sin out of your life. Why? Because we've got to get ready. Oh, pastor, this, you're probably talking to the person next to me. I'm good. I love, I love, I love when people say this. It's, it's, been my, it's been my experience that when I hear that phrase, oh, oh, pastor, everything between me and God is good. That, every time I've heard a person say that, they are in the worst possible position in their life. But they're so deluded and so self-deceived they don't even know the condition that they're in. I had somebody say that to me one time, and I, I swear, I had everything to do to just give them a Holy Ghost backhand. <laughs> Remember that John the Baptist's message was a message of preparation, a message of repentance. 
in order to prepare. We can't sit here. You can't be listening at home and saying, I'm getting ready, I'm getting ready, getting ready, getting ready, getting ready, and everything's crooked in life. Oh, somebody's saying, why did I turn this computer on tonight? Why did I come tonight? You can't commit to let the Spirit of God get you ready if you're not willing to get the junk out of our lives. Might as well be the one to tell you. Romans chapter 3, verse 10. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. But pastor, you don't understand. I, I've never killed anybody. I've never stolen from anybody. I, I buy groceries for the little old lady down the street. I pay my tithes. I give offerings above and beyond my tithes. You can't be talking to me. There is none righteous. No, not one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks after God. They are all turned aside. They have together become unprofitable. There is none who does good. No, not one. Then we skip down to verse 23, that same chapter. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Verse 26 says that he, God, is the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. God declares us right in his sight when we place our faith in in Jesus as our Savior. Acknowledging that he paid for our sins. Now, 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 give me some time to unpack this. Because you're saying, well, Pastor, you just finished saying that we've got to get sin out of our life, but it seems that the Scripture is telling us that Jesus paid for our sins already. He did. He did. There's a Scripture in the book of Hebrews that challenges us in our thinking. Because the fact is, yes, Jesus did die on the cross and paid for the sin of the world. But you're still alive. I'm still here. You're still here. We've got some things to work out. Not because we're afraid of going to hell. Because if you're born again, if Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, if you've received him into your life, your sin's been paid for. Okay, Your sin nature has been dealt with. But it doesn't mean that we don't have opportunities to continue to sin. Don't, don't flinch. Don't move. We'll know it's you. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 12. Now, I want you to pay very close attention to this. Very close attention. But this man, speaking of Christ, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. Now, you understand in biblical symbolism, sitting down means you've finished. It's completion. Okay? He sat at the right hand of God from that time waiting till his enemies are made his footstool. Verse 14, very important. Look at this. For by one offering he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. Okay, Lord, which, which way is it? Am I perfected or am I still being sanctified? Yes. Yes. We're perfected in his eyes, but we're still being sanctified. What does it mean to be sanctified? To be sanctified means to be set apart for a special use. 
When something's sanctified, you don't use it for just anything. You know, the king of Babylon got in big trouble because he took the vessels that were dedicated to the temple in Jerusalem. And when they had destroyed the temple, they took everything back with them. And he had the blasphemous attitude to go and have a drinking party and use the sacred vessels which had been sanctified. In fact, each one of them is stamped holy unto the Lord and use them as drinking vessels while he's partying. That was the night that the finger came on the wall. By the morning, he wasn't king anymore. Let me read this again. It's talking about Jesus now. For by one offering, remember the sacrifice made once for all, not only once for all people, but once for all time. Okay? So we're not, we're not trying to get sin out of our life so that we enhance that. No, you're, if you're born again, you're just as born again. The minute that you said that prayer, you were just as born again as you're going to be 10 billion years from now. It's a settled issue. However, in our souls, we need to separate ourselves more and more away from this world and more and more unto God. God say amen. For by one offering, his sacrifice on the cross, his death, burial, and resurrection, he has perfected for how long? Forever. Those who are what? Being. Being sanctified. That signifies continuous working. Are you listening to me? So when you got born again, you got sealed by the Holy Ghost. Your eternity is settled. But we're still living on a planet that's affected by sin. Your flesh is still wanting to do what the old man used to do. People come, people say, oh, I'm struggling, I'm struggling, I'm struggling. Thank God you're struggling. Thank God you didn't give up. Yeah, but pastor, I'm struggling. You're struggling. It means you're still standing. You're struggling. Too many people throw in the towel and give up the struggle. Guess what? As long as you're still alive and you're breathing, you're going to still struggle. It's going to be a struggle. Why? We're living in an atmosphere of sin. We're behind enemy lines. You get this? This world is not our own. Our citizenship is in heaven. Our spirit yearns, desires, is pleading to get to heaven, to get into that spirit realm. That's why when we have times like we just experienced, when the spirit of God is so evident, we feel at home. It's natural. Say, say it's natural for us. It's more natural for us to be in the spirit than it is to be in the flesh. When we're in the flesh, we're like, ah, something's wrong here. There's this tug of war going on. My flesh wants to go this way. My spirit wants to go that way. Whatever decision you make in your soul is going to determine what direction you go in. <clears throat> so, so we've been saved from hell. We're going to live with God forever. But sin still knocks at the door. Some of us could say, well, Pastor, I thought sin wasn't an issue anymore between me and God. Yeah, in a sense, you're right. Again, verse 14, for by one offering has perfected, perfected, Sealed by the Holy Ghost forever, those who are being sanctified. Thank God. Listen to me. Thank God we're being sanctified. I've prayed many times and many a day, Jesus, don't come back right now. I don't want you to find me like this. Are you, you know what I'm talking about? Or Jesus, don't take me right now. I don't want to meet you like this. Sin. 
Salvation means that we are once and for all forgiven. Jesus' blood was enough to cleanse us in God's sight. In God's sight, you're cleansed. God sees us already done. But you and I both know there's potholes to fill in. There's mountains to knock down. There's crooked things that need to get straight. Come on. There's rough places that need to get smoothed out. That Holy Ghost sandpaper. But there also is a continuing action. Even though we are cleansed, <clears throat> excuse me, in the sight of God, there's also a continuing action going on in us while we're still here on earth. For by one offering has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. Rinse cycle, constant clean. You know, you have the, we have those continuous clean ovens. You know, they hardly ever work. I've never seen one work yet. But, but the, in theory, they're supposed to continuously be cleaning. You know, you put one of them pizzas in there on a rack and the cheese spills all over. Or you have something, you know what I'm talking about? You know, and it spills. And you get all panicked. Oh, no, don't worry about it. You've got a continuous clean oven. Yeah, okay. Two weeks later, you're in there scrubbing. But God has built that thing in us. We're in a state of progression. This is a progression. That word being signifies a state of progression, ongoing work of the Holy Spirit as we cooperate with Him. Now, every one of us, whether, we're jo- whether you're joining us online or here in person, every single one of us can name at least one person in our life that we, we know they've been born again for years and years and years and possibly decades, but they're still acting the fool. They're still walking in sin. They're still walking in carnality, falling constantly. What is that? That's a person. They said the prayer. They really do have faith in Christ, but they just have not let the Holy Spirit deal with them. And let me tell you something. If you haven't found this out yet, Holy Spirit's a gentleman. The Holy Spirit is a gentleman. The Holy Spirit's not going to... I get upset when people refer to the Holy Spirit as the hound of heaven. I don't like that. Okay, I don't like that. I don't like equating the Holy Spirit with, with a dog. Okay, I don't. I don't. Now, I understand what they're trying to say. They're, you know, they're constantly going after you. But listen, the Holy Spirit's a gentleman. He's love. Because some people pray, God, just do whatever you got to do and just knock him down, knock him down, knock him out. What do you mean? God's not going to do that. He's not a child abuser. God, the Holy Ghost is not going to take you and put you up against the wall and say, you stop what you're doing right now or I'll kill you on the spot. That's the devil. The devil will get a hold of you with that, with guilt and condemnation. The Spirit of God doesn't... But listen, you've got to cooperate with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit can do nothing unless we cooperate. You couldn't even get born again unless you cooperated with the Holy Spirit. He was drawing your heart. He was opening your spiritual eyes to see Jesus in all of his majesty and all that he's accomplished. But if you didn't cooperate and say yes, you could sit in church from now until Jesus comes or you die, and you'd still go to hell. You've got to cooperate with the Holy Spirit. got to cooperate. Nothing gets done. Just before service, just before, while we were in worship, I was standing over there in worship, and I hear the Holy Spirit tell me that the usher next to me over there has got a pain in his upper back. 
And I saw myself laying hands on him. So I'm standing there going, I don't really want to do that. What if it's not true? What if I make a fool out of myself? I'm human just like you. I don't mean made a fool out of Do you want to be made a fool out of So then when I heard it the second time, I said, I better do this. So I called him over. I said, uh, Chris, you got a pain in your back? He goes, yeah, a little, yeah, a little bit. Pain in the back? Yeah. Is it right here? Yeah. Okay, let me pray for you. Okay. Is it better? All right, I, I, not, not, I didn't do it for that. And I didn't do it for that. I'm not doing it for that. I don't like to make a spectacle when the Holy Ghost does something. What I'm saying is this. I had to cooperate or he'd still be in pain. Well, why couldn't the Holy Spirit do it? Because he uses people. He uses people. Why do you think Jesus had to come here in person? We've got to cooperate. So, so now, this message is probably for nobody in here or possibly nobody online, but you may know somebody who's still struggling in particular sin. And they're, and they're dealing, and what ends up happening is, you know, because I've heard people talk about this, what ends up happening is you, get, you fall in sin, okay? Then you go through that, that, that cycle of, I can't do this anymore, God. I don't want to do this anymore. And I'm repenting, God. And I swear I'm never going to do it again. Never going to do it. Sound familiar? Never going to do this again. Never going to do it again. Please, God, help me. Please, God, help me. We get good. We're okay for a couple of weeks. And then the wheel turns and we come back to that part of the cycle that we fell into the last time. And without the power of the Holy Spirit, you're going to live your life in those cycles. Going to heaven, but living those lives of cyclical sin. Sanctification. That's what we're talking about. Sanctification. Real, real religious word, right? It's the process of becoming more and more separated unto God. Okay, get your house in order. Get your house in order. Get your, I'm not talking about go home and, and fix the furniture or get new carpeting or put new drapes up. I'm talking about get your house in order. You are the house. You are the temple. I am the temple. You are the temple of the Holy Ghost. And he's telling us he wants to use us in a phenomenal way in the future. Why? Because the, the darkness is getting darker. Have you not seen it? Have you not seen the darkness getting darker? Do you not see the darkness getting darker? Do you not see this world going to hell in, in an ex, on an express train? Do you not see people's lives falling apart? Do you not see darkness trying to overwhelm everything? In that scenario, the church has got to shine brighter than ever before. You're the temple of the Holy Ghost. We are, his temp we are the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. This is where he launches out from. In the Old Testament, even up to the point that Jesus said it's finished, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, lived in a little box. Some archaeologists and Bible commentators say it was 11 by 11 by 11. I've heard other people say 15 by 15 by 15. No matter what size it is, it's still too small to put God in it. But they kept him in a box. God stayed in that box, that little holy of holies, until Jesus went and paid with his blood. And that veil tore, that just tore by itself, the Bible says, from the top to the bottom, it just tore as if an angel came from heaven and just went. <coughs> and the Spirit of God said, that's it, I'm done. Been in this place for long enough. I'm not staying here. I'm going in my people. 
And then at that point, you became the Holy of Holies. You became the place where the Holy Spirit dwells. And where the Holy Spirit dwells, he's not going to share room with anybody. All right, I'll get back to my notes. Here. Turn to somebody and say, get your house in order. What's the goal? The goal is living free from sin as much as possible. As much as possible. Look, let's be honest with each other. We're never going to get 100%. But my God, we've got to be pushing as close as we can, right? Why? 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 Well, Pastor, I'm going to go to heaven anyway. Oh, oh, oh honey, uh, you, you, you got mixed up here a little bit. It's just because we're going to heaven, okay? You realize when we're in heaven, the reality of heaven is going to dwarf any memory of the years that we spent on this little blue marble. Okay? And so, listen to me. Right now, we're living with the reality of the struggle to resist temptation and stay close to God. But when we're in heaven, when we're in eternity, we're going to be, li watch this, we're going to be living with the reality of the rewards that we receive for what was done in the body here on earth. That reality is going to be with us forever and ever and ever and ever. Where are we earning that reality? Now, don't leave here saying, Pastor said, we earn our way to heaven. That is a lie. We do not. But the rewards that you will walk in for eternity, the rewards that you will receive when we get to that, that what is it? What do they call that when you have a sports banquet and have that most valuable player? Okay, the awards banquet in heaven. All right? We're going to live with that reality way, way, way longer than the reality of the struggle right now. Right now, some of us live in constant struggle. Some, you know people that live in constant struggle. Every day, they've got to believe God to get out of bed. Every day, they've got to believe God not to go for a joint, not to go for a needle, not to go for a bottle. Every day. That struggle is very real right now for certain individuals. But, but that's going to get wiped away. And the reality that we're going to live with for all of eternity is the victory that we got while we were here. Get your house in order. Romans chapter 6, written by a man who knew what it was like to, to, in fact, he called himself the worst of sinners. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us that were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? When he died, we all died with him. We were immersed. That's what baptism means. Immersed. We were immersed in Christ's death. Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism unto death. That just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so, look at this, even so we also should walk in what? Newness of life. Oh, I love that word newness of life newness waking up in the morning and knowing that life is brand new waking up in the morning knowing I don't have to carry the junk I don't have to do I don't have to do the junk I did yesterday I don't have to I don't have to live in the pig pen anymore yeah I'm saved I'm going to heaven but what about from now until then newness of life is the process of keeping that road for the Lord clean smooth straight free from obstacles Verse 5 of that same chapter. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified. I'm not talking about your father. 
that your old man, your old nature, the old you was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. Would you say that with me? That we should no longer be slaves to sin. For he who has died has been freed from sin. Your old nature died. Your old, un, your unregenerated, dead spirit, man. When you die, you're freed from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that he sh we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Can't kill somebody that's been resurrected. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that, watch this now, this is the important, here's the key. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. What are you saying, pastor? You're saying that Jesus died to sin? That's what the scripture says. But guess what? It wasn't his sin. It was our sin. He died, let me read it again. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life that he lives, he lives to God. Jesus Christ was risen from the dead for the glory of God. That God's words that he'd been speaking for thousands of years were vindicated and came to pass. Jesus died to sin, but it was not his sin, but ours. He became sin so that we could become righteous. You'll find that in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. Good scripture. You should go look at that one. Verse 11, same chapter. Likewise, here's Paul again speaking. Likewise, you also reckon. Now, I know we don't use that word today. Reckon. Say it with me. Reckon. Reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God Christ, in Christ Jesus our Lord. Reckon is an old English accounting term. It means count it all up, consider it all, consider all the facts, and then come to a conclusion. He says, consider all the facts, consider the fact that Christ had come, born of a virgin, walked on this earth, proved who he was, rose from the dead after he died on the cross. So, so Paul said, take all that into consideration and then come to the conclusion that he died on our behalf. Reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Verse 12. What an awesome statement. Therefore, do not sin. Do not let sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in its lusts. In other words, it's strong desires. Strong desires. How are you going to do that? If you recognize that there are things that trigger you to get into that position of strong desires, if you recognize that there are atmospheres that you can put yourself in, people that you can hang with, situations that, that you can open your eyes up to, that you know once you got to that point, there's no turning back, then don't get to that point. Because why? Well, Pastor, you don't understand. It's just, you know, uh, I'm a guy. I got needs. Don't give me that garbage because if somebody put your, a gun to your head, you'd find a way to be, to keep yourself right, okay? It gets uncomfortable when we talk about this kind of stuff. Okay, we have self-control. Why? Because you got the Holy Ghost in you, and one of the one of the one of the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. You just need the right inspiration and right motivation. You listening? Are you listening, Church? Why is this important? Because we got to get our houses in order. 
I don't want to stand by like a spectator when the Spirit of God starts moving and people start rushing the doors of every church in this nation. I don't want to be a spectator. I don't want to be off on the side because I got myself into something that I can't get myself out and then miss out on the thing that I've been praying for for decades. You listening? So we got to get our house in order. Therefore, do not let sin reign, reign, reign. What does it mean to reign? It's not talking about water falling from the sky. Reign here is talking about have rulership, have dominion, have lordship, have mastery. Don't let sin be the, be the thing that calls the shots in your life. That you should obey it in its lusts. Verse 13. And do not present your members, this body, as instruments of unrighteousness to sin. But present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. In other words, don't stop seeing your body as a tool for the enemy. Start seeing it as a tool in the hand of God to reach somebody else's life, to break the burdens off of someone's life, to snap the chains off of them, to show them how to get out of the slavery of sin, and to say, come on, follow me. I know what you're going through. I've been there. I know what you feel like. I know what you're thinking. Come on, follow me. But some of us need somebody to follow. Oh, pastor, I thought I was going to hear a nice message. Look at verse 14. This is important. This is another key. This is another key. If I was you and I had my Bible here, I would underline this. I would put a star next to it. This is another one of the most misinterpreted, misunderstood scriptures in the New Testament. Verse 14. Well, let's start in verse 13. We'll go right into verse 14. And do not present your members. Present. You do the presenting. You do the presenting. You're either going to present them to be used by sin or you're going to present this body to be used by the Holy Spirit. Verse 14. For sin, here it is again, second time, in, two, in three verses. For sin shall not have dominion. This time he uses the word dominion instead of reign. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law but under grace. You remember he said reckon? Remember he said reckon, reckon, reckon? Consider it all, take it all to consideration, then consider it and come to a conclusion. Paul's saying, take all that Jesus did and come to the conclusion that you do not have to allow sin to overtake you. Sin does not have the power over you that it used to have. Okay? Now watch this now. Listen to this statement. Before you were born again, you were a sinner trying to get right with God. Right? We did all our religious things, went to Mass, lit candles, said the rosaries. Didn't eat meat on Fridays. Didn't eat devil dogs during Lent. Did all the religious things. Made sure we put money for the poor. You know, we put that big two bucks in the offering plate when it came around. Back in the old church, right? And we thought we were Frank Sinatra. Before you were born again, you were a sinner trying to get right with God. Now you are a child of God, separating yourself more and more to God by the power of the Holy Spirit. Why? Because sin shall not have dominion over me. That phrase, listen, that phrase, sin shall not have dominion over me, I am not under the law but under grace, has usually been thought to mean I can sin if I want to because I'm not under the law, I'm under grace. 
The emphasis should have never been on the law. The emphasis should be on grace because the law doesn't have the ability to set you free. If it did, people in the Old Testament could get born again. The fact is, nobody could get born again. No one's spirit came alive, no matter how many oxen were slaughtered, no, how many, no matter how many lambs were slaughtered, no matter what kind of sacrifice was made at the temple, a person still walked away with sin nature. You getting this? You got to know your difference between the old and the new. Now you're under grace. You're living under the jurisdiction of grace. And what is grace? Grace is not just a band-aid. Well, I sinned. You know, I don't even have to worry about it because, you know, my sins are already forgiven and I'm living in the age of grace. What does that mean? That you can just disrespect God? That we just disrespect the blood of Jesus? Come on. What kind of relationship do we have with God if it's that easy for us? Well, you know, I'm under grace, Pastor. You know, I'm under grace. No, you're not. If you were under grace, you would receive the power of grace to resist that sin because that's what that scripture is talking about. You're not under the law that was useless. You're under grace. Grace empowers you to say no and to deny ungodliness and worldly lusts that you should live righteously and godly and soberly in this present age as we await the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. Titus chapter 2. Grace empowers it. You don't have to sin. I don't have to sin. And then when we do, please don't slap God in the face by saying, well, you know, I'm under grace. It doesn't matter if I sin. What? No. Honey, you just, you fouled up twice. Not only are you looking, not only are you looking for an excuse to sin, but the worst part is you're not taking advantage of the power that Jesus made available to us when he died on the cross, suffered in hell, and came out of the grave and resurrected, uh, resurrected and now ascended Lord and Savior. Why do you think he came to the cross to die? So that grace, the empowerment not to sin would be released into everyone who ever said, Jesus, be my Lord, be my Savior. Are you getting this? We can live free from sin. When we put sin in its rightful place, we live free from sin. Now listen, I got I to wrap this up here, okay? Your sin nature, listen to me. I'm not going to get into this now, talking about this specific sin, that specific sin. Sin is sin. Amen. Yeah, there's a saying in the world, love is love. But sin is sin. Sin is sin. Okay? Well, well, well I wasn't like you. You know, I heard stories about you, Pastor. I wasn't like, oh, whoop-de-doo. You were a better sinner than I was. You're still a sinner. We're still sinners. And so that nature, that old self was crucified with Christ. So in a very real way, your sin was killed on the cross. And again, there's so much obsession today with identity. Identity. This one identifies as this, and one identifies the other one. But when you identify with Christ, sin loses its grip on you. He said, don't let your body be used for the wrong things. Don't let your mind be used for the wrong. Don't let your mouth be used for the wrong things. He said, surrender them, that they be instruments unto righteousness instead of instruments unto sin. You have a choice. I have a choice. But the greatest choice we can make is every single day, Surrender ourselves to the grace of God that's available to us. Are you listening? Yes.
Pastor, I haven't been successful. You don't understand, man. I got this thing in my life, and it just keeps creeping back up on me. It's because you're not taking hold of the grace of God that's available to you. He's, he doesn't treat, well, well, maybe, you know, you've had success in this. No, 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 no. No, we've all sinned and fallen short of God's standard, but we all have God's grace available to us so that doesn't have to happen again. You'd be shocked of the power of grace in your life giving you the ability to say, no, no, I'm not going that way. No, I'm not going to do that. No, no, when I catch myself thinking about that stuff, I'm going to shut it down immediately. But let me tell you this, you're not going to do it without the Holy Spirit. Oh, you're going to go to heaven. You'll go to heaven. You might not get too much of a welcome when you get, but you're going to get in. I'm going to get in. I'm going to get in. I don't know what kind of reward we're going to have because that is being determined here. So I'm, I love this one. The religious person. I'm not concerned for my rewards. I just want to see my Savior's face. Well, hallelujah for you. Because you're looking at that perspective from here. When you get on the other side, all you're going to think about is, man, I wish I hadn't done that. And I wish I had obeyed that. And I wish I did what God told me. Because now I'd have some rewards to walk in for all of eternity. You listening to me? This is We don't think about this stuff. But we're going to be so much more engulfed with our rewards. We're not going to worry about what was here, but do we want to live in regret for eternity? Because it says that we're going to have to give an account for the things that were done in the body. Well, where's the body? Here. We're going to give an account. I'm going to give an account. Your victory over sin is connected to the cross, to the empty tomb, and to the resurrection. If you're trying to get victory over sin through self-help, through positive, I'm just going to think positive today, by your own willpower, it's not going to work. You know, Lord, the Lord gave me big shoulders, Pastor. Yeah, whoop de do. We're all impressed. Your ability to resist temptation cannot come from within you, but from within Christ, because you can do all things through Christ, who infuses you from within with power. And that infusion of God's power is the grace of God to strengthen you to say no, to say, no, I'm not going down that path. I'm not going to think that way. And once I catch myself, I'm not going to go down that path in my head. Because, you know, you, your body can't do anything that you didn't walk out here. We say sometimes, well, uh, you know, we do things without thinking. No, it's impossible. It's impossible because your limbs and your arms and your speech and ha has got to receive instruction from here. Even if it's a microsecond, it's got to receive instruction from here. So once you become cognizant, once you rec realize, man, what am I thinking about here? This is you stop. You stop. You say, Lord, help me. Help me. I'm surrendering this. Jesus, I'm bringing this to your feet so that you can deal with this thing. Amen? Amen. So. You ready to make a, a strong confession of faith? Yes. Are you ready? Yes. I'm going to tell you to be seated because the people that join us online, when you stand up, sometimes they have difficulty. So say this as if you're standing. In other words, stand up on the inside. Okay? Amen. Say this with me. Today is the day, today is the day that, I that I present my body, my mind, my, my, mind, my, eyes, my eyes, my ears, my ears to, the to the Lord to be instruments of righteousness. I refuse to let sin use my body anymore. Sin will not have power over me. It no longer has authority over me. 
I have authority over it. By the power of the name of Jesus, His grace empowers me to resist sin. In Jesus' name, amen. I pray that you meant it, but I pray even further, Father, in the name of Jesus, grant unto us an outpouring of your equipment, your grace. Father, we know that temptation knocks. Temptation draws us. But we speak to it in the name of Jesus. By the power of the grace of God, we resist it. We're getting our houses in order. We're letting you separate us more and more unto yourself, Father. Vessels of honor. Vessels dedicated to your use, Father. Thank you. We, ha we, can, we can have confidence that we have an expectation that when we are faced with the opportunity, Father, I pray in the name of Jesus for everyone that's here, everyone that's listening, that we will sense your grace rising up on the inside of us and strengthening us in our ability to resist sin. In Jesus' name, Father. Amen. 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 Now listen. Does anybody here right now or anybody watching online that you have never taken that simple step of asking Jesus Christ to be your Lord and be your Savior. Well, I believe in Jesus. Well, good, good. The devil believes in Jesus too, but it doesn't do him any good. You and I need to make that confession of faith, declaring with our mouths who Jesus Christ is to us. Do you believe that he's the Son of God? Do you believe he's the Son of God? Do you believe that he went to the cross to pay for your sin and my sin? Do you believe that God raised him from the dead and he's alive right now in heaven? If you believe those things, there's nothing stopping you from receiving salvation. Please, I beg you, don't leave this place without settling that issue. If you've never prayed that simple prayer, Jesus, come into my heart. I believe in you. I believe that you are the Son of God. I believe that you paid for my sins. I believe you've been raised from the dead. The Bible tells us when we confess with our mouth, when we declare with our mouth, those things that we believe in our heart, that we receive salvation. Additionally, even if every person under the sound of my voice right now has already received salvation, have you received the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Acts chapter 2 promises us this power that came from on high. He's here. He's been on the earth ever since then, waiting for every believer to receive the Holy Spirit and receive the empowerment the open door to the supernatural ability of God comes by the baptism of the Holy Spirit. If you've not received that, please, please, you need that. It is extremely difficult, if not impossible, to stand up against sin in this world without the empowerment that comes from the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That's why Jesus said to them, don't leave. They were all, they were all born again. They were all received salvation, but he told them, don't leave until you receive the promise of my Father. Amen. We want to make that available to you. There's people up here that will pray for you. Those of you that are online, there's people there that will pray for you. People will be in touch with you. If you want to receive salvation or if you want to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, please indicate that online. Amen? Amen. God bless you. If you're coming up for prayer, come on up. If not, God bless you. Enjoy the rest of the weekend.